today our guest is um, Brendan, who I've been, many of you will know from the liminal web space. Um, Brendan has his own YouTube channel, his own podcast, and um, I've been watching the liminal web, this kind of this meta-modern integral space for a while, and I've often felt like there isn't something that I've noticed in the integral community of which I've been a part of for the last two decades plus. Um, we talk a lot about spirituality and in the more modern, um, meta-modern space, the more kind of the contemporary, more meta-modern space, I don't hear spirituality being spoken of very much. And in fact, it's one of the complaints that I hear from the meta-modern space about the integral space is that the mm -hmm. integral space has too much spiritual stuff that, you know, this integral stuff just, you know, Ken Wilber just talks about too much spiritual stuff and what the hell does all of that mean? Um, so, so I've, but then Brendan has caught my eye because Brendan does speak about spirituality and Brendan and I'll just, you know, at this point, just introduce Brendan uh, with a little bio from Brendan, which is Brendan Graham Dempsey, who is our guest of honor today, is a writer whose work uh, focuses on the meaning crisis and the nature of spirituality in metamodernity. He earned his BA in religious studies from the University of Vermont and his MA in religion, in religion and the arts from Yale University. Uh, Brendan lives in Greensboro, Bend, Vermont where he runs the holistic retreat center, Sky Meadow. We've seen a lot of lovely pictures of that from you, Brendan, looks like a beautiful place. His videos examine the new metamodern period currently emerging, which integrates postmodern insights from cultural and political metamodernism, integral theory, game B, and from other intellectual and activist communities. And you can learn more about Brendan from brendangrahamdempsey.com. So Brendan, I recently, um, you know, have started to really feel like a bit of an elder in this integral community, having been here for such a long time. And it's really wonderful and sweet to see all these new communities coming into being who don't really know much about integral in some ways, although I can see they're highly, heavily influenced by integral. And so... With that, what I'd love to do is to invite you to talk about this title for the event that you came up with, Brendan, which is, is Integral Metamodern and is Metamodernism or Metamodernity, Metamodernity Integral. So with that, over to you, Brendan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate the invitation. Uh, to do this. Uh, this is great. And yeah, I agree. There's, um, uh, I think these sorts of things are really helpful to bridge communities and bring together uh, different tribes, that sort of a thing. Uh, so yeah, thanks again for the invitation. Thanks to Integral Life and thanks to everyone for showing up. Um, I uh, I want to start out. Yeah. I mean, we, we'd, uh, I think just briefly kind of uh, ping pong potential ideas. And so I do think that this 
uh, notion of metamodernism, integral, comparing, contrasting is really important um, because there still seems to be, uh, and I suspect will continue to be, a lot of negotiations of these terms and uh, really um, uh, defining the space uh, in various ways. And so I think that, um, I don't know, getting a little bit of clarity around this would be helpful for everyone. So I will try to do my small part in, in that. Um, I want to start out, though, with some kind of apologies in advance. So forgive me for a number of things, uh, including the following. So on, on the first hand, this is a, a, a kind of a dense topic. There's This is a deeply entangled issue. And so to try to disentangle it requires some history, some names, some uh, some rather theoretical, meta-theoretical discussions and all that stuff. So um, I apologize that this presentation or discussion won't be, um, uh, let's say, I don't know, maybe the, the most immediately user-friendly, but I think that hopefully Hopefully it'll be, um, I don't know, uh, worthwhile uh, if we can uh, navigate some of that depth uh, together. So I apologize for the denseness of some of this. Uh, hopefully we can all hang in there. Um, but I also apologize because this is a conversation at sort of the nexus of multiple community spaces, uh, multiple tribes, and people have attachments and feelings and deep histories with these communities. And I want to respect that uh, very much. At the same time, we need to kind of disentangle things. We might need to throw out some critiques or at least talk about critiques that have been discussed so that we get a sense of why some of this is all going on and that sort of a thing. So I want to apologize in advance if I mischaracterize any of this. Uh, I count myself in some ways as a newcomer, certainly to the integral scene. I've only been uh, familiar with this community and with this material for, you know, I don't know, uh, some three years now or so. Um, uh, at the same time, you know, Ken Wilber has deeply influenced my thought uh, uh, discovering integral theory. And this uh, material has has just kind of uh, upgraded my my worldview in many meaningful ways. So I'm deeply appreciative of this community and the material. Um, at the same time, the integral community is also very good at sort of confronting its own shadow and uh, discussing, you know, uh, all scandals and failures. And so I think that that's um, an important aspect too. But I, I wanted to name that because, you know, uh, you mentioned being an elder. I think there are many elders here and I, I'm not uh, blind to the fact that it's sort of, who's this Whipper sniper coming in with this meta modern nonsense and critiquing this or doing that sort of thing, and it's like, uh, and I'm, I'm very open to that critique as well. So uh, I I present a lot of this as a maybe an opening for discussion as well. So it's uh, please feel free to correct any um, any uh, yeah again mischaracterizations or any of that uh, because a lot of you will have a much deeper understanding and familiarity with this space that in some ways I acknowledge my um, externality to as I'm coming in. So those are sort of the caveats up front. Um, and it's not just the integral community, too, that I, I, I want to, uh, you know, preactively apologize to. Again, there's metamodernists and there's liminal folks and there's all these these negotiating the space um, is uh, is is ongoing. And so uh, there are many different ways that people might answer the same question. And um, and so I'm going to try my best to thread this needle and uh, kind of meet uh, and do, you know, give due credit to all of the kind of voices and the perspectives in this scene. So anyway, that's my kind of long spiel uh, um, upfront uh, apology. By the way, just so I have a sense of time, are we going to 3.30, uh, Nomali, or um, 
Um, we have 90 minutes, but okay. you know, at, in, uh, anyone who needs to jump off right at that 90 minute mark, which is 1.30 p.m. Mountain Time for me, um, you can do so. But if you feel like you need a couple more minutes to keep going at Integral Life, at least I and my sessions, I'm notorious for going over. So, okay. Because Great. Good people to know. love to hang out and chat and I love to hang out and chat. So why not? <laughs> Lovely. All right. Well, yeah, let's just see what happens then. And I'll, I have a little time after that so we can we can stick around and We'll get to the bottom of all this. So, um, so let's dive in then. Um, so, yeah, uh, I I decided to um, set myself up for the terrible failure of a presenting uh, pr presentation entitled "Is Meta Modernism Integral? Is Integral Meta Modern?" Um, and my aim here really is to I want to say I want to complexify the discussion. Uh, Postmodern minded folks might say they want to problematize it, um, but I don't want to do that because that will just sort of that tends to just sort of leave things in shambles and then kind of, you know, what I want to do is I want to complexify this issue and uh, leave us somewhere with a bit more cl clarity and coherence, even as we've sort of added a lot more information and, and nuance and depth to the, to the discussion. Um, but as I say, I want to end this also open-ended and open to conversation and feedback from people. All I can really do is give my um, perspective on this issue and uh, I invite other perspectives. Now, so my basic thesis is, is this, that um, when you ask this question in this space, um, you'll get many different answers. Uh, some people will say that metamodernism and integral are synonymous. They're just the same thing. Um, other people harbor, harbor, uh, actually like a visceral hatred <laughs> for integral and for Ken Wilber, uh, especially, uh, and want a sharp distinction made that metamodern is doing this and integral is this whole other thing and never the twain shall meet. Um, most others are, are less extreme, uh, uh but some people feel like the term metamodernism has been hijacked, uh, from its original meaning. Um, at, which we'll talk about. And others basically see in, uh, metamodernism as being kind of repackaged integral without kind of giving uh, due deference and citation to its sort of original founding sources and inspiration. Um, and there's another way that just sort of sees this all as a messy social discourse uh, about what comes after postmodernism with multiple mutually informing theoretical models uh, with different names, all pointing out various aspects of what is essentially the same thing, um, but maybe emphasizing different aspects of it, et cetera. And that's where I tend to fall myself, um, as I'll get into. Uh, but at the same time, there are real differences uh, in history, sensibility, and the conceptual frameworks behind these different discourses. So um, I want to try to disentangle that and also uh, emphasize that. So uh, that's rough outline. Uh, in terms of how I'm going to try to go about this, I'll start with some history um, in an attempt to kind of define these terms. Uh, and the majority of that's going to focus on the term metamodern. I mean, most people in this space showing up to this conversation, uh, we will uh, be, I think, very familiar with integral already. So I will spend less time trying to define all of that, uh, but give hopefully a nice overview of this term metamodern, where does it come from, et cetera. Um, and again, I want to I want to focus on these definitions because if we're asking and comparing and contrasting these two terms, we want to get clear on what we're really talking about. Um, but I'm not trying to sort of deconstruct these. I don't want these to, um, you know, fall to pieces under scrutiny. But I want to reveal something that's really that there's a dynamism to these terms uh, beneath the sort of seemingly static 
uh, uh, maybe potential understanding of them. And so when we dig into them, we actually see that a lot's going on um, and things aren't necessarily as monolithic or, um, or static as we assume. So anyway, some history, some definition. And um, after all that, then we'll kind of turn to this uh, question of com comparison and looking at the dynamics, uh, comparing integral and metamodern. Um, and that'll be sort of really the, the core of the matter. But um, let's start with getting uh, clear on metamodernism, uh, which is important, actually. I was recently on a podcast, and uh, one of the first questions was something to the effect of, uh, so isn't metamodernism basically a, a form of integral theory? And I, I was like, well, no, actually. And I kind of uh, briefly gave some additional context, um, but it really does reveal that there is still a lot of uh, confusion of these terms and a lot of conflation. Um, so bear with me, I want to give a little bit of the history here, and hopefully this will be helpful. Um, so metamodernism as a term, um, there are some uses of this term that go back uh, before our kind of current discussion, the current discourse, uh, there was a, uh, an art critic named Moyo Okadiji in 1999 who used it. There was another, uh, I believe, art critic or historian, uh, Alexandra uh, Dumitrescu in 2007 who used this term. Uh, there were also other theories about kind of what comes after postmodernism from a cultural studies standpoint uh, that were also describing similar things but has different names. So most notably, I would say, is Raoul Eshelman's performatism. Um, so these were all kind of in the ether a little bit sometime at the turn of the century. Um, and it wasn't until, however, 2010 that the real current metamodern discourse really gets underway. That's when two Dutch cultural theorists, uh, Tim Vermeulen and Robin von Doniker, published this uh, article in the Journal of Aesthetics and Culture uh, called Notes on Metamodernism. <clears throat> and they introduced this, they call it as an intervention into the post-postmodernism conversation. I mean, already in the 90s, people had hailed postmodernism as dead. Um, and so there's discussion about what comes after and people were presenting various theoretical candidates from digi-modernism to hyper-modernism and all this sort of stuff in kind of the academic cultural studies sphere. Um, and that had become messy in its own right. Um, and so in 2010, uh, Vermeulen and von Doniker published what they call as an inter intervention into this sort of messy debate, and they proposed this notion of meta-modernism. Um, and uh, this is really where, again, kind of the, this is the seminal article that I think jumpstarts this entire current discourse around the term meta-modernism. Uh, now, they theorized it as an oscillation between typically mo uh, modernist sensibilities and uh, typically postmodernist sensibilities. Um, they were looking at a lot of art, um, music and films and whatnot, and cultural production uh, in the language of cultural studies. And they saw a shift away from what looked like uh, more quintessentially postmodern art, which is very cynical, very ironic, very self-referential, et cetera. There was sort of by this period, a kind of standard rubric for looking at, well, you know, what do we call postmodern art, right? And then in the early 2000s, you start seeing the shift away from that. You start seeing new things, Wes Anderson movies and freak folk and uh, a lot of uh, sort of uh, irony, but also with all this sincerity, this uh, new sincerity, people were calling it. And so these cultural theorists 
basically said, well, this seems to be characterizing whatever's come after postmodernism uh, from a cultural studies angle. And they called it metamodernism. And meta there meaning multiple things. It's a Greek prefix and it means both um, between. So they use the meta in the sense of it shuffles between postmodern and modern sensibilities. Um, but also meta can also mean after or beyond. So it also comes after postmodernism. And they were really kind of emphasizing all this sort of um, messiness in, in this in this perspective. Now, again, for them, um, you know, postmodernism was this sort of uh, cynical, ironic uh, paradigm that had kind of been dominant in the arts uh, in the post World War II period and had waned, you know, in the in the nineties. Uh, and and that was sort of juxtaposed with this modernist. Uh, perspective, which was typically seemed to be um, sort of aspirational, utopian, idealistic, um, kind of uh, totalizing in its in its thinking about reality, this sort of a thing. And so it set up this sort of thesis antithesis that metamodernism seemed to be, um, they were very careful actually to say not a synthesis of, but actually sort of going back and forth between these. Um, so they called this a structure of feeling uh, or a cultural logic. They were drawing on a lot of the cultural studies um, traditions like and folks like um, Frederick Jameson, Raymond Williams, et cetera. And again, this is all in the academy. This is all 2010 in the academy cultural studies. Um, but uh, but they also identified aspects of what this was. They theorized about it. Um, and they saw a, a clear move from sort of this older cynical deconstruction to a kind of um, reconstructive effort. Uh, they they termed, uh, they came up with a couple of terms like ironic sincerity, pragmatic idealism, and informed naivete to describe a lot of the stuff that they were seeing. Because again, it's sort of this mixture, this sort of almost paradoxical mixture between this typically modern and typically postmodern sensibility. Um, so that was their attempt to formalize this uh, and, and to theorize it and to get it out there. Uh, and they did. And this was, again, 2010. And then early on, there was some kind of, uh, it was a little blip, but it was kind of an early reception. Uh, some people did pick this up. Uh, uh, an artist named Luke Turner wrote a manifesto, Metamodern Manifesto, and said, you know, we must all oscillate and we must, you know, move back and forth between this and that. And um, actually, the actor Sheila LaBeouf got involved in this at one point. Um, if, uh, and if anyone wants to get into any of this, there is a whole kind of prior moment to the Metamodern scene before uh, some of these other things that, that I'll get into in a, in a minute. Uh, Seth Abramson was also a figure important um, in early metamodernism. He had a, a Huffington Post, uh, or a, I don't know what you'd call it, a, like a, yeah, anyway, he wrote for the Huffington Post, and he would frequently comment on metamodernism and kind of help popularize all this. Um, and that was basically what was going on 2010, 2011, 2012. I discovered uh, metamodernism in 2013. Um, I was looking for, I was hungry for something after postmodernism. Uh, uh, I was a, a poet and um, uh, I was I was discontent, let's say, with the aesthetic landscape uh, that postmodernism seemed to offer. And a lot of the sensibility just didn't resonate with me. I was attracted to uh, things like grand narratives, even though I knew they were problematic. I was attracted to, um, you know, spiritual conceptions of reality, while also being able to understand that, you know, we can't hold these things as dogmatic absolutes, all this sort of stuff. So I went looking for, okay, I get postmodernism. What next, right? I mean, history keeps going, doesn't it? Uh, and that is how I found metamodernism in 2013. And when I read about it, I was just struck. I thought this captures 
this captures what I am doing and, and what I want to do very well. Um, it's moving from deconstruction to reconstruction. There's a return of myth, uh, a return to thinking about holding grand narratives, but holding them loosely, et cetera. And I found all that incredibly attractive. Um, so I uh, saw there was a, a conference coming up. This would have been, I think, in yeah late 2013. I wrote a paper called something like The Death and Resurrection of God in Metamodern Religion. Um, and I submitted that, and then I wound up presenting that at the University of um, Strathclyde in Scotland uh, at this metamodernist conference that happened there called Oscillate uh, Metamodernism in the Humanities. After that, there was this um, event at the Stedelijk Museum, and I flew over to that. That's where I met Shia LaBeouf and, you know, ran around the Stedelijk Museum with him and all that. And um, and and then actually I had that paper published on their online metamodernist uh, zine um, and so uh, that was sort of my initial engagement with this, and I was very taken by it. I thought that this could be incredibly helpful. And this kind of strand, I'll call it strand one of metamodernism, uh, continued. Uh, Brent Cooper got involved, uh, Linda Ciriello and Greg Dember um, have been op operating in this sort of strand of metamodernism, of cultural studies, looking at art that gets produced and then theorizing it in terms of like, oh, doesn't this look like metamodernism because there's ironic sincerity and this sort of a thing and kind of applying this new rubric. Um, I wrote a book called Metamodernism and the Return of Transcendence around, I don't know, 2014, 2015. Um, and then the uh, 2017 book came out, Metamodernism, Historicity, Depth, and well, anyway, the, the cultural studies metamodernism book, Historicity, Affect and Depth After Postmodernism, I'm even kind of um, uh, thanked in the introduction. And I, I only go into all that just because I want to establish that I was pretty pretty clearly in the uh, in the cultural studies metamodernism camp, uh, you know, from about 2013 onwards. Um, but something interesting happens in 2017, which is the same year that that came out, which is that this book was published, The Listening Society by Hansi Freinacht. Um, so again, we're talking about about seven years into this term metamodernism being around, being in a cultural studies and an academic context, making some minor headway here and there, some conferences and stuff. But at you know 2017, if you would have thrown out the idea of metamodernism, not many people would have known what you were talking about. And that's not a diss in any way to the cultural studies folks. Again, it's it was great stuff. I I, I resonated very much with it. But I wouldn't say I saw a lot of traction being made. Um, with it per se, uh, though it was gradually making some some strides in the academy. But in 2017, when this book comes out, um, this sort of inaugurates a new strand. Uh, Hansi Freinacht is the pen name of Daniel Gortz and Emil Fries. Um, these are folks who uh, were familiar with the integral community, participated in it, um, familiar with Wilbur's works and all that. So coming with an integral background, you could say integrally informed, uh, but also with deep sociological and historical knowledge. Uh, Daniel Gortz is an incredibly bright guy, has a PhD in sociology, um, and uh, worked directly with Dr. Michael Commons, the uh, originator of the developmental model, the model of hierarchical complexity. I believe Gortz heard about metamodernism from Seth Abramson, looked into it, saw these resonances. And then uh, this book is essentially what I would say, and here's where things start to really come together, sort of synthesizes this metamodernism from cultural studies with uh, the integral theory. Uh, well, no, I don't want to put it quite so uh, much like that, because I, I want to say something more like it takes the developmental um, perspective that is present in integral theory for understanding the transitions and evolution of culture, and it applies that sort of a model 
to understand the, the rise of metamodernism. It does a lot of things though, and it would take a lot of time to kind of dig into everything that's going on here between the synthesis of developmental models and metamodernism. I highly recommend if you haven't uh, to explore this work because um, there's an appendix in the back that talks a lot about metamodernism. Um, and there's also an entirely kind of new uh, developmental model that Freinacht presents. Um, but basically, here is where we see for the first time the introduction of a developmentalist theory in which metamodernism is what comes after postmodernism uh, in a way that's very much akin to and familiar to folks in the integral scene where, where, as Wilbur talks about, the integral stage coming after the postmodern stage, you could say. Um, now, this is a different theory, right? This is a different way to conceptualize all this. This is not oscillation. Uh, we've got multiple cultural codes here. Um, and in fact, uh, Gortz in um, another work, in uh, another one I'd highly recommend, this is called um, Dispatches from a Time Between Worlds, Crisis and Emergence in Metamodernity. It's uh, an anthology um, and actually features a number of the metamodern uh, authors um, I'll be talking about. Um, there's an article in there called Metamodern Sociology in which Gortz actually uh, uh, slash Hansi Freinach talk about the six aspects of what we're really talking about when we use a word like metamodern or metamodernism. Uh, so it's not just one thing. And he is explicit that it's a cultural phase, very much the way that uh, the cultural studies folks, people talk about it. So in some ways, it kind of includes that. It's also a cultural and a personal stage of development. Okay. Um, it's also an abstracted meta meme, which we don't have to get into what exactly that means, but sort of the theoretical abstract logic of these ideas um, as they hold together. It's also a political project. So there's a prescriptive element in here. And there's a paradigm to the, all this. It's sort of a, a particular paradigmatic approach uh, to things. So uh, this introduces again a lot of um, uh, a lot of theoretical depth to this notion of metamodernism, uh, and uh, kind of greatly expands it. Uh, you could say now this is happening outside the academy, um, but it has incredible traction. It seems to gain a lot of. Uh, influence. It seems to take off. And so um, when I, in 2017, I think I discovered this book maybe in 2018 or 19, uh, started to uh, reattend to the scene of the metamodern scene, I found that uh, the landscape had changed very dramatically. Uh, and there was a thriving online community space and people were talking about this. There's a political project, et cetera, et cetera. And so this is where we get strand one now is, is, is accompanied by a strand two that are woven together, but also something new and different has been introduced here. Um, briefly, I'll just make note, there's also what you could call a strand 2.5, which is associated thinkers and writers um, engaging the term metamodern in a similar way to what I was just talking about. There's this work by Thomas Bjorkman called The World We Create, um, which again is sort of more of an integrally informed kind of cultural code evolutionary uh, perspective on metamodernism. Uh, there's also Metamodernity by Lena Rachel Anderson, which also talks about cultural codes and complexification. Um, but I will also note that Anderson is one of the folks, the theorists, who is very, um, let's say, closed to the idea of, of there being any connection between metamodernism and integral uh, and some of that antipathy for, for Wilbur, um, which I'll talk about a little bit later on, because for me, I see these things um, being at least mutually um, informing, let's say. Um, this all gets very confusing. Um, Anderson and Bjorkman wrote a different book together called uh, 
the Nordic Secret. This work um, owes a lot to the insights of Daniel Gortz and Emil Fries. So there's clearly a lot of stuff going on here. And this is what I wanted to talk about in terms of this entanglement stuff, right? Um, now, all right. So the last strand I'll mention is strand three, which um, this is in 2021. This book, Metamodernism, the Future of Theory, was published. Uh, by a philosopher and historian named uh, Jason Ananda Josephson Storm. And interestingly, he harkens back to Okadiji uh, in his use of the term metamodernism back from 1999, yet he also engages with um, uh, Freinacht a little bit and some of these other uses in the cultural studies folks. Um, but he's offering basically an alternative paradigm to postmodernism. He's framing postmodernism as a as a research academic paradigm, which basically has certain methods like deconstruction and uh, power analysis and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and he thinks that there's problems with all these things. So he offers a kind of philosophical critique and offers a systematic philosophy that proposes a different uh, academic research paradigm. It's um, this, now we're back into the academy. This, this is happening within the academy and um, uh, there's nothing developmental in this book per se. Uh, but uh, there is use made of processual models and uh, you could say process philosophy and things like that. Um, I'll talk a little bit more about that. So anyway, long story short, three strands here, three at least unique strands, maybe three and a half, um, where we've got cultural studies, we've got a developmental theory, and we've got a philosophy, and they're all mutually engaging with one another um, and sort of mutually defining, redefining, and negotiating this term together, uh, both drawing distinctions, but also saying, yes, I think that there's a lot of overlap here. Um, so in kind of coming to a, you know, a concluding point about all that, and again, hopefully you're with me, I apologized up front, there's a lot of names, it's a lot of stuff, but I, I hope this is helpful, um, is that metamodernism has its own internal divisions and sub-meetings. Um, I've recently taken to the um, the trope of calling it metamodernisms. I think this is something that often happens in theoretical conversations where uh, you kind of have to start you know, making these distinctions. Um, what I will say though, is that despite the distinctions here, there are all uh, also obvious overlaps, okay? So despite um, different backgrounds, different uh, approaches, different definitions, there is a lot that binds these different theories together. Um, they're all offering what I would call non-reactionary critiques of postmodernism, meaning that they're trying to acknowledge the gains and insights of postmodernism while moving beyond it. Um, they're all responding to the crises of the 2000s and seeing that as being a distinction between a kind of new sensibility and an old one. Uh, they're all moving past deconstruction to a reconstruction, uh, uh, all moving past apathy to action, uh, from critique to affirmation, from cynicism to aspiration, to uh, from nihilism to meaning, um, and all recognize problems and importance uh, with uh, like grand narratives and uh, also uh, emphasize the nature of multiple sensibilities and uh, have a kind of multi-perspectival approach. Now, that's what they all share. Uh, so that even though, you know, there are differences, there's also, it's incredible um, independent convergence towards trying to name what this post-postmodern uh, thing is about. Um, some of them uh, agree with, uh, like two out of three might agree on something in particular, but not necessarily all of them. So you see things like process thinking, pragmatism, post-metaphysics, uh, an emphasis on complexity and complexification, the importance of interiority, uh, and an emphasis uh, on meaning and purpose. So um, 
there, I guess I'm just trying to say, if you were to kind of think about all this as like a an endless series of Venn diagrams, right? They, there's multiple ways in which these things click together. There's multiple ways in which certain things are outside of those boxes, but um, it is a, a networked uh, series of theoretical constructs, you could say. Um, I've recently, I mean, just last night, the idea kind of occurred to me that you could think more about it as like a coalition uh, of thinkers and frameworks, uh, you know, um, not to go too political, but oftentimes when you look at, say, a political coalition, you kind of have strange bedfellows in certain respects, and yet there's clearly common cause in certain aspects as well. So um, there's a coalition of terms uh, or of thinkers here that all uh, use this term metamodern, metamodernism as a flag. Um, and, uh, and also the last thing I'll say about that is that increasingly uh, there is sort of, I would say, an, an we're approaching a consensus, it appears to me, that the term or the word for what comes after postmodernism is metamodernism. So how do we frame that? How do we understand it? Then you get into all these theories. But I think that I've, uh, uh, I've noticed that as being something that's sort of solidified, let's say, in the past five years uh, in a way that didn't exist before that. But we can also discuss and debate that. All right, if you're still around for the ride, um, so then the question becomes, all right, well, how does all of this relate to integral? Uh, which is really the crux of our presentation here. So uh, the simplest answer to that is um, it's mainly through strand two of metamodernism, uh, the Hansi Freinacht uh, developmentalist approach. Um, and that makes kind of implicit sense. Um, now, uh, there is, as I said, a lot of intermingling here, um, but um, this becomes interesting because once you get metamodernism in the scene uh, and you get the overlaps between a developmental theory of cultural evolution and then seeing the metamodern stage as being, or yeah, what kind of uh, sits at the current apex of this evolutionary progression at the moment, um, then this is out in the ether. And then it's very, um, uh, let's say, uh, attractive to or fits a lot very well with the uh, with the integra other integrally informed thinkers who might find this uh, to make a lot of sense and to do a lot of things um, that uh, maybe integral also did or maybe didn't do, et cetera, et cetera. So it, it, it speaks to um, what some have called the integral diaspora. Um, and there is a question of the degree to uh, this this sense of is this kind of an integral rebrand, or can we we can can we use the term metamodernism to sort of do the things that integral was doing? Um, and uh, but this also raises the question of well, why the need for a rebrand, why a diaspora, et cetera. And I want to come back to that. Um, Let's turn though to integral. So that's metamodernism. Leave that to the side for now. And now we'll talk about integral for a second. So uh, I, I want to, again, kind of complexify this a little bit because I, I also want to ask in a definitional sense, like uh, what integral, who's integral? What do we mean by integral? Uh, do we mean Gene Gepser's integral? Do we mean Aurobindo's integral? Um, uh, most people, I assume, uh, will be thinking about Ken Wilber's integral. And of course, he's integrating and synthesizing those thinkers who use that term. Uh, but it's important to recognize that there are real distinctions there to be made as well. Um, there's meaningful, uh, uh, shall we say, distinctions, um, separations, disagreements um, in the integral community itself between those who take a more Wilberian approach versus a more Gebsarian approach. And again, a lot of this hinges on this issue of using development to theorize history. 
Um, Gebser, of course, is very adamant that he's not doing something developmental. Uh, Wilbur is, and um, and and even within the very effective communal space that has arisen uh, in this integral community, there's meaningful distinctions where people can have disagreements about that and emphasize different traditions over others. So I bring that up just because this isn't like a unique thing to the metamodern scene that it's this coalition aspect kind of rallying under one term. I think you could make a less strong case, but a case that there's something going on there with integral too, that it's a synthesis and an integration of ideas that um, allows for some uh, discontinuities to be in the mix as well. Um, now, this I think is where we're gonna start to get to sort of the core of this question, is, is metamodern integral, et cetera, and vice versa. Um, so I want to draw a distinction here because, uh, again, I'm asking who's integral. All right, we'll just go with Ken and Wilbur's integral and all that. But it also begs the question, when we say, you know, integral, what do we mean? Are we talking about integral theory or are we talking about integral as a stage within that theory? Um, and, and integral theory uses it both ways, basically. Um, integral means the whole theoretical map. Uh, a whole me kind of meta-theoretical architecture, uh, but it also refers to a distinct stage of development in sociocultural evolution called the integral stage. Um, so which do we kind of mean here as when we ask a question like, is, is metamodern integral? Um, well, if, we're, if we mean the theory, is metamodernism integral theory? I think that one's pretty easy to answer and say no, uh, right? Clearly there's, there's differences going on here. If you if you want to be able to use a word like metamodernism to talk about something like what he's doing, um, there's no overlap whatsoever with integral theory. Um, well, I shouldn't say whatsoever. There are things going on there, obviously. And, uh, but essentially, integral theory, uh, if we mean integral in that way, um, is, is a meta-theoretical aspect, uh, is a framework, right? If we're talking, though, um, about integral as a stage um, within that theory, then I think um, there's more of a case, a much stronger case uh, to be made. Um, so how would I say this? Uh, if we're thinking about integral as following after postmodernism, uh, that is also what the metamodern stage purports to be. Um, and so as you might expect, there are meaningful overlaps and similarities in the characterizations of these stages. And if you look at um, the, like, the characterization of what would be the teal stage uh, or the yellow and spiral dynamics um, and metamodernism, certainly in the case of the Hanzi work, I think that's a pretty uh, explicit connection there. I think you could also even say that comparing the work of something like uh, the Dutch cultural theorists, there's meaningful overlap. Uh, there's a recognition of moving beyond uh, deconstruction and a lot of the things I was talking about earlier. Um, so there's that. Now, at the same time, do we want to say that metamodernism in this sense of strand two is integral theory? Uh, I think that's where some of that um, kind of critique can come in. And I can see also a strong case to be made there. There's enough overlap in theoretical presumptions about uh, the complexification uh, and the kind of holarchic nature of cultural evolution, using developmental models to do that, et cetera, et cetera, that I think there's clearly, if you're going to draw two Venn diagrams, uh, there's a lot of overlap between integral theory and Hanzi's metamodernism in that sense. Um, at the same time, though, I also would push back on that a bit. Um, I think that we should appreciate the fact that uh, integral theory and Ken Wilber's work is synthetic. It's he, he was a synthesizer. He was bringing together all sorts of strands, 
in a meta-theoretical way uh, from developmental theory to early complexity thought, evolutionary thinkers, idealists, Habermas, Kessler, etc., into this theory. So he's drawing, he's taking things from everywhere and putting them together. Um, and if other folks are doing something similar, there will be implicit parallels, right? But the degree to which then that should necessarily be called Wilberian or integral, uh, I would say is problematic. I think that if we're talking about vision logics in general, uh, people can engage this sort of meta-theoretical stance and find meaningful insights from these different strands without necessarily, and come to very similar conclusions, right? Because this would be something that we're mapping reality. Uh, so there's going to be independent convergence uh, or at least convergence, let's say. And I don't think that then we should then reduce that all to, oh, well, someone else did something similar and therefore it's basically just the same thing and even a ripoff. So a lot of that would hinge on, are there novel aspects going on in a work like this? Uh, and indeed there are, there's many, there's an entirely uh, novel developmental model. There's uh, engagement with all this meta-modern cultural uh, theory um, and many other things besides. Namali mentioned at the, in, uh, at the outset, um, the emphasis on spirituality and I'll come back to that because that's also in, in a very important part. So, okay, uh, let me take a little <laughs> look at my notes here to see where we're at. So. Um, if we take, oh yeah, so there's one more kind of iteration of this we could ask is, um, uh, and this would probably be the most uh, problematic maybe for this audience would be to even ask is integral metamodern? Um, but I want to throw that out there because if we take seriously the idea that metamodern or metamodernism is the consensus term, let's just say for what follows after post postmodern or for what follows after postmodern thought, and this is kind of the uh, more or less uh, usable term, let's say, in the discourse space around this. Um, I think from that perspective, you could say it most certainly is in the sense that integral theory is a post-postmodern framework that moves beyond uh, yet through postmodernism um, and comes to very similar kinds of conclusions. Um, it, it transcends and embraces postmodern thought, so it's not a reactionary thing. Uh, it embraces the constructedness of perspectives, multiple sensibilities, affirmationally engages people to constructive action, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of meaningful overlaps in terms of what Wilbur was describing as the integral stage and what he was doing with, with integral theory um, and what sort of shows up in these uh, discussions about metamodernism from a purely kind of cultural studies lens. So we can do this kind of permutational thing and, and get slightly different answers. Um, uh, and Oh, again, open to discussing all of that and seeing uh, if, if any of this resonates or if there are instances where uh, we feel like there are very meaningful ways where it, it doesn't work, um, if that makes sense. So uh, I want to start to move towards wrapping up this conversation or at least move into the last chunk of this um, because there's another important aspect to get into, which is I'd mentioned earlier this sort of notion that some see metamodernism as kind of an integral rebrand. Um, and uh, or repackaging or something. Um, and I think that, that raises the question of, again, well, why? And, and why is there an integral diaspora as people have used that term, et cetera? Um, and I think here you start to see that there are critiques that factor into the emergence and the success, I guess, of a Hansian metamodern or developmentalist metamodern approach uh, where people feel like it fits a need in the, in the discourse space to be able to say, ah, I wish there was something that did all these things that Integral did up to a point and in certain ways uh, and didn't do or doesn't do these other things. 
Um, and I also think that this is really important, uh, moving, leaving, I guess, behind some of these more abstruse kind of theoretical discussions that I've been getting into. I do think that this is really important to talk about the question of integral and metamodern because we're, we're thinking about uh, a new framework, um, or at least a different framework, let's say, uh, that uh, does accomplish a lot of the same sorts of things that integral theory accomplishes in similar ways, uh, and yet isn't identical to, and in fact is meaningfully different from in other ways. Um, and so uh, in an exploration of some of what these critiques would be, we would ask the question, well, does is metamodern is metamodernism approaching these things in a different way that might be attractive to people? So I list three things here that I would posit as uh, contributing to the adoption of metamodernism as sort of an integral surrogate, let's say, or, or something like that, um, for maybe people who have been disaffected uh, by integral in various ways and find uh, a, an alternative, a potentially successful alternative in metamodernism. So the first one I would say is uh, what I would call stage theory abuse. Um, before I get into this too, I want to reiterate as I began this conversation with a, with a kind of a preemptive mea culpa and, and, and a request for grace. I'm talking to a community that has you know, gone through all this stuff and uh, I want to acknowledge that. So please don't take this as, as a, an attack or anything like that. As I've gotten into, and I would consider myself part of this integral community though, um, I've also become aware of these things and have seen them. They've bothered me. And uh, I do think I, that there are meaningful ways in which the metamodern paradigm could present us uh, an alternative. So anyway, I just wanted to, again, say that, but feel free to demolish me in the Q&A if you'd like in any way. But coming back to this. So the first thing, stage theory abuse. Um, one of the aspects in integral theory is this notion of many stages, that there's uh, ultraviolet and pure light, et cetera. Uh, and there's a, a spiritual component in which these sorts of uh, con con states of con or uh, structures of consciousness exist. Um, and uh, metamodernism doesn't go there. <laughs> uh, Hanzi uh, talks about the death to turquoise, uh, which is a controversial element, um, I think a bit overplayed. And I think he's doing something uh, intentionally uh, kind of a bit incendiary, provocative. But I think it does raise a point, which is uh, it's very easy in these stage models to talk about hypothetical high, high stages of which there's relatively little empirical support and basically only have maybe some spiritual significance, but don't particularly pertain to uh, cultural, uh, political activity or kind of grounded pragmatic concerns. And there's a lot of ways in which ego gets wrapped up in this and then everyone wants to be the highest stage and who, and, you know, and then of course this element of um, what's been called patent balling of, uh, of, of labeling everyone, their stage and thinking honestly, in terms of these things as simplistic stages that could be broken down to something like a uh, green or blue or something. When in fact, when you study the developmental literature and really go pretty deep into that, uh, which Hansi to his credit does a pretty good job of, I think um, you see that, we're really talking about something a lot messier here um, that is uh, a lot more complex. Now, I know that a lot of people probably would be inclined to say, yes, but that's all been dealt with. And, and if you read closely in the text, that's not what's, what's being said. And I also want to be sympathetic to all that. I have noticed, though, that in it's sort of a, a hydra that doesn't die. It kind of keeps returning. And um, I think that by building it into the architecture of the framework um, and being sort of uh, kind of caustic and... Um, ironic and sort of um, uh, a bit uh, cynical, honestly, to, to draw from that kind of postmodern cynicism to attack 
um, this kind of spiritual self-aggrandizement and that sort of a thing. Uh, it's at least a it, it it at least attempts to get out a a bit ahead of it, let's say, and to try to kind of quash it, uh, nip it in the bud. Uh, and at least it's I perceive there to be more of an explicit uh, concern about these sorts of issues in metamodern discourse. Of course, with the hindsight of um, of coming out of the integral community, I'm sure. So anyway, various forms of stage theory abuse, I think, are mitigated, or at least more intentionally attempted to be mitigated in um, this uh, metamodern framework. There is, as I also say, I think a bit more nuanced engagement. At least I try to push this with uh, the, the the real specifics of developmental theories um, and uh, moving away from just kind of simplistic whole person model things. And anyway, uh, we can talk more about that. Uh, the second thing though, and this uh, gets to Namali's point that she brought up, um, is uh, the spiritual emphasis. Um, and again, brace yourselves. I don't, you know, this is not an attack, but I, it is a real distinction between these two models. And uh, I think with, with its own merits and demerits, pros and cons. Um, I'm not a, afraid a, 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 about spirituality. I mean, I engage specifically with metamodern spirituality. Um, which I'll come back to, but I do think that there's an, a perception that the integral community is is uh, particularly concerned with the spiritual emphasis, um, and in that process, a lot of the uh, meta theory and the kind of deep philosophical work kind of gets lost or obscured. Um, there's a, a a real way in which you know integral theory was early on being adopted in academic circles, and now. I don't think people tend to touch it. In fact, I mentioned earlier, some people are find Ken Wilber anathema. And a lot of that is because for whatever reason, uh, you know, good or bad, let's just say, um, in the professional academic sphere, if you are associated with Wilbur and with integral theory in that sense, people don't take you seriously. They think you're spiritual woo and pseudoscience, whatever. Now, of course, we can debate whether that is justified or not, uh, but it is a real need that if you find a deep value in using developmental models to descriptively make sense of history and uh, culture and politics, um, you're sort of prohibited from using them in their original context because of the sort of... Um, uh, the, the kind of aura that they've that they've attracted, and so something like metamodernism might be attractive to people uh, for whom um, those things are still important, but it's a bit kind of uh, it doesn't have some of the baggage that comes along with that. And again, I also want to say that this isn't um, this isn't merely, I think, a perception. Uh, you know, I've noticed that there is a a kind of uh, let's say an embrace of ideas that are at least controversial uh, that can veer into the pseudoscientific, certain persona, uh, you know, who maybe are persona non grata in academic circles um, are embraced for the potential spiritual insights that they might have to offer, Rupert Sheldrake, Deepak Chopra, so that kind of ilk um, that, uh, that the professional institution sort of eyes askance. Um, and Wilbur has made his own comments that have been uh, questionable. Um, now, there's also the element of the scandals and the various associations with spiritual leaders that's been problematic um, and that sort of a thing. Uh, finally, on this front, I guess I would also just mention the, um, the Eastern bias. I think that very much integral theory uh, is colored by an Eastern Buddhist um, tint. It is very much from that tradition. There's deep meditative uh, practice that informs it. And it is, uh, I think, pretty deeply in the, the Eastern religious tradition or spiritual tradition. 
And uh, I think that that is a potential limitation. Uh, and so something that my own work is trying to kind of explore by using integrally informed kinds of models, but also uh, looking at, say, more of the Christian tradition or the Judeo-Christian tradition, the Western tradition, etc. Now, metamodernism is, it's a bit more, uh, considerably more kind of secular and naturalistic. Um, again, it's not afraid of spirituality. There's a thriving spiritual conversation in the Metamodern Spirituality Facebook group that I that I moderate. Uh, I'm about to host a Metamodern Spirituality retreat. Um, but if there is an emphasis, I do see it as being in, in one that embraces the naturalistic framework as itself being something transcendent, if you want to put it that way. Um, work being done by the folks like Bobby Azarian and Greg Enriquez and even John Verveke and many others, I think would all agree on a certain kind of naturalistic framework that's the presupposition that is actually very much at home in the academy um, and, uh, and able to find within that space something that is uh, transcendent and spiritual and uh, speaks to the soul. Um, and uh, and I think that there's a, a bit more of a openness to uh, miracles and uh, quote-unquote transrational sort of phenomena or even reincarnation and things like that that have a bit more of a home in either traditionally spiritual or um, or other kinds of circles that you know, don't necessarily fall into a natural naturalistic framework. Um, and uh, I think that that is a real emphasis in the metamodern community um, that is different from the integral community. And so I think if people are trying to navigate this space, um, what spiritual sensibility speaks to their soul more will uh, kind of inform, you know, whether they gravitate maybe more to the integral framework or find a home in a metamodern framework. Um, but again, all these things are very messy. Um, the last thing I'll say on this front before closing is uh, the third aspect of this, which isn't even a critique. It's actually just an observation, but it is something that I think deeply informs the uh, the real distinctions uh, that that uh, shade the, the the debate around metamodernism and integral. And that's a generational uh, issue. Is that um, you know uh, Ken Wilber, of course, I would say Ken Wilber was at his peak in late '90s and early 2000s, and that uh, a lot of the works that he wrote kind of are colored by that period. And we're all colored by our periods in the sense that uh, you know we 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 are uh, products of our time. Uh, but um, there is uh, because of that, I think an aesthetic and a sensibility difference between these two uh, terms. Um, so um, generationally, I think that there's more baby boomers and Gen X that maybe found a home in integral. And right now there's more kind of millennial and Gen Z folks who are finding a home in metamodernism. Um, I think conversations like this are really helpful because I think that these bridges can also be, you know, built between these communities and these discourse spaces. Um, but this is really just, it's kind of purely an aesthetic sensibility issue. Um, uh, there's a lot about the purely aesthetic cultural sensibility described as metamodern by the cultural theories folk that I don't necessarily always see in uh, in kind of uh, kind of classic uh, integral contexts, um, which I think has a has a different sensibility, as I say. So um, that's another important aspect, um, and uh, and that could also you know continue to keep changing, I suppose, because um, uh, there's no reason why you know integral itself from within couldn't adopt uh, the kind of aesthetic aspects or some of the sensibility that will just naturally kind of evolve in this space. So that's the last thing. Um, and again, I, I say all this uh, aware that, you know, I might come across as maybe an outsider into this community and these might uh, sound like critiques or attacks. Uh, and I don't want to uh, be insensitive in that regard. I, I'll reiterate that I'm 
deeply influenced by and deeply uh, appreciative of the integral community and uh, the integral material, the whole framework and the works that Ken Wilber have been profoundly, uh, really life-changing. So um, these come very much from a, you know, a, a shared perspective of, you know, naming these dynamics, but also an explanatory descriptive one when we're trying to understand the difference between uh, integral and metamodern. So I'll close. And then we can maybe open this up for discussion. Uh, and uh, by just, um, I guess, saying a couple things. Um, one is that I've talked a lot about overlaps and differences and coalitions and communities and negotiations and boundaries and all this stuff. Um, none of this is new to this metamodern discourse or the integral one for that matter. I mean, if you look at a word like postmodernism, uh, there's a lot of debate about what that is. And of course, that's, you know, that's uh, old news, quote unquote, right? Or is it? So um, these kinds of categories are broad enough uh, that they are, I would say, uh, they tend to have internal divisions and uh, continual renegotiations of definition uh, and, and that sort of a thing. And um, so I think we should expect there to be this kind of um, tension and hopefully generative tension. Another thing I would say is that these sorts of differences, these internal struggles, I think help contribute to what you could call mimetic success, right? Um, I think it's because, for example, that there are multiple strands of metamodernism that overlap but are also different, that they're having success in different spheres of life, the academy, the popular sphere, the online sphere, the spiritual, you know, and they're all hence mutually help or reaffirm one another um, because of, you could say, the differences. Uh, so I don't think that we should look at these sorts of distinctions as being uh, deeply problematic. I think they're par for the course and 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 at best generative. Um, I do think we should be graceful with each other. Um, I also see a lot of oversimplification, mischaracterization, and just kind of bad faith engagement sometimes. People will say, oh, Ken Wilber, what a crazy person, or he's a cult leader or whatever. And there's just absolutely no engagement with the actual works or understanding of the material. Uh, and I find that very sad and tragic, especially when I'm familiar with some of the people making these sorts of broad claims and I'm familiar with their work and there is incredible overlap between what they're saying and what uh, the integral framework suggests. So. That is unfortunate, but I think we could. Um, I think if we approach this more uh, synergistically, uh, that would be incredibly helpful. I do very much look at the integral community uh, as a kind of eldership. At least the, the elders within the integral community have been. Um, I think the, there isn't really a meta modern eldership uh, uh, yet, right? It's a rather new thing. Um, but uh, I've been. I have deep friendships with people in this community, and I, I do see them as. Uh, spiritual guides and deeply wise people. And um, so I am all about there being uh, even more kind of porous movements between these different discourses, these strands, weaving them together and getting something beautifully emergent and complex um, from all of that. Uh, last thing I'll say is um, there's, this, uh, the, there's a, an idea called the double hermeneutic, which is like when you uh, have a theory about something, but then the theory winds up affecting the thing that you're studying. And so then the theory uh, gets kind of re-reflected upon. Um, uh, there's a lot of that in this space, which is unavoidable. If you're talking about a term like metamodernism or integral, and in some way you're reflecting on culture, well, integral theory and metamodernism are things within culture. And it's very easy to kind of get those wrapped up in your own reflection on the phenomena that you're that you're looking at. Um, and that can be good and bad. I mean, we can get stuck in our bubble and then we think, oh, yes, you know, this 
this integral stage is emergent. It's happening right now because look at all my friends, they're all there or vice versa with metamodernism. It's like, oh yeah, the metamodern thing is taking off, you know? And, um, now is <laughs> you need, uh, this is just a kind of, I don't know, natural consequence of cultural theor theories being the galvanizing flags or points around which communities form uh, because then they get used to uh, interpret the communities uh, that formed them, if that makes sense. So um, there's a lot of that going on in the space and it's, it's unavoidable and it's not necessarily, again, a bad thing. It's just uh, something to be aware of um, in terms of uh, the, the sort of something like a fishbowl effect or something. Um, that's basically all I have to say about that. It's um, again, in, in really closing, in conclusion, I should say, um, this is a very complex issue. I hope to have complexified it and confused you even more, but no, not really. I, I hope that some of this has been enlightening and interesting and informative so that now um, we have a better sense of well, what do we mean by metamodernism and what sorts of internal um, uh, dynamic tensions exist with it, but also recognizing those in integral and recognizing the sort of endlessly fractal Venn diagrams and interweaving webs that kind of constitute this very rich scene, whether we call that the liminal web or the wisdom web or whatever. Um, uh, so yes, hopefully some of this uh, complexification has brought some clarity nonetheless. But um, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate the invitation, as I said. And uh, yeah, I welcome any reflections, chastisements, uh, uh, whatever. So thank you. Well, thank you, Brandon. That was Brandon, sorry. There's a Brandon and a Brandon. Uh, Brandon, thank you so much for that. That was just fantastic. And I think you really did provide us with some history and how sort of this metamodern space has been birthed mostly, as I have heard also, and as I have read from that cultural space, um, the art space, for example, and then taking it further beyond that. So I would love if you can hang out for a little bit of Q&A. Is that okay, Brendan? I, yeah, I'd love to. Okay, so I'm going to ask the first question, um, and then I'll open it up. Um, my first question is, so like, for example, in Buddhism, we talk about the first turning, the second turning, the third turning, and then of course, why would this turning stop, which is why Wilbur wrote a book called The Fourth Turning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Perhaps if history proves us right, there will be a fifth turning at some point, right? So this is captured, this idea is captured in developmental theory. Um, so in metamodernity, if the word for post-postmodernity is metamodernity, as you explained, um, how do you capture that developmental difference? and contrasts that are going to be inevitable if developmental stage is accurate or it's true, at least on a good day. Um, that's what Energo has tried to capture, which mm. beyond post-modernity, there are multiple things yeah. that could happen. So how does metamodernity address the future to come? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I'm inclined to say, well, I'll qualify this, it doesn't. And it actually maybe intentionally doesn't. Um, again, I think this relates to the whole death to Kurt turquoise, uh, to use an extreme phrase, but more just the, um, it, I, I think that metamodernism is much more about sort of exploring the zone of proximal development. Uh, it's it's uh, it, And you can think about it that way too, that integral theory, I think, provides a much more expansive map. And despite what I was saying earlier about, you know, what might have sounded cynical about ultraviolet or pure light or whatever, that might all be true. You know, that could totally be true. 
um, I guess I'm revealing my own spiritual ignorance in, in, in this, not being able to affirm this uh, definitively, but I'm just saying that even if that's all true, I think there's a, a very important need and a value to be gained by focusing on sort of what, where are we right now? Where are we about to be maybe in the next five, 10 years? Where have we been in the past 10 years? Um, and thinking more uh, in our kind of proximal local zone, because I think that um, that will help us navigate uh, the future more effectively. Uh, and I do think that's actually a very intentional aspect. When I interviewed, I've inter interviewed Daniel Gortz a couple of times about this. And I believe in our first conversation, that was a big topic was that integral theory does sort of like present this big map. And then it's like, well, how do we jump to this absolute? And when you're trying to do that, it's um, it can be too daunting and it can be too uh, sort of, it's difficult to attain those sorts of you know, how do you jump six stages? Well, maybe we shouldn't be thinking about that. Maybe we should be thinking about the stage we're in now and the next stage to come and how do we bridge that gap, so to speak. And I think metamodernism very uh, intentionally is sort of like, let's focus on that. That's why it is, um, you know, very politically engaged um, and tries to kind of go the next step rather than to the ultimate step. That's one thing I want to say. Another thing I want to propose is that um, I'm very open to the idea too, that like we could still, um, well, again, all this stuff is being negotiated, right? And as I say, I get the sense that metamodernism is the consensus term, but whether that pans out to be the case or not, whether it's something totally different or whether it's integral, we'll just have to see. But I'm also, I like the idea that maybe integral is the next stage after the metamodern stage. Um, I think that because there is such a deep spiritual emphasis, um, I don't see that now. I don't think that that characterizes where we're at now. I like very much the framing that metamodernism is about meta-systematic thought. It does that kind of early integral thing of comparing worldviews and frameworks, and we can apply that uh, really effectively, potentially, in the sciences, I think. Um, but uh, but as that process unfolds and things do become, I guess what we could say, but more spiritually developed, uh, a lot of what we associate with that spiritualism or that spirituality of integral could be down the road to come. Uh, and we could think about integral as, I'm sorry, we could think about metamodernism as the meta between, you know, here and, and there. Uh, you know, the frame, uh, the phrase, um, a time between worlds is used a lot to talk about this moment where we're at the death of an old world and not yet at the birth of a new one. And maybe metamodernism is very much that liminal betweenness towards something integral on the other side of that. I'd like to believe that's the case. Um, but the other thing is there's a bit more kind of epistemic humility there, recognizing that even if that is the case, we've got to get there. So we've got to, we've got to deposit uh, a metamodern metasystematic level uh, stage thinking pretty established. We have to build institutions at that level. We have to build cultural code at that level if we want to see something like an integral future uh, rather than trying to instantiate the integral future. Uh, that was the last thing I wanted to say too, is, um, you know, if you want to think about Wilbur as like comparing him to Hegel, uh, after Hegel, you got the young Hegelians, right? And so they're, the switch over to uh, uh, not the dialectics of Geist and spirit, uh, but dialectical materialism in a political kind of project from, you know, Feuerbach or especially Marx. And I think you can kind of frame the metamodern integral thing in that, in that light, you know, uh, that, uh, that uh, the metamodernists are the young Hegelians to, to, uh, to, to Wilbur's uh, Hegel or something like that. So there is a, a turn to the materiality and the pragmatics, the politics, the institutionalization um, they're kind of more bread and butter realizations and deposits of this sort of thing before we get uh, further. I have more thoughts on that, but 
Uh, I don't know. Does that partly answer some of your questions about that? Um, yes, sure thing. I actually just removed the spotlight from you for a moment, Brendan. So now anybody else who is speaking will also be recorded. So if you don't want to be on the video, please, uh, when you ask a question, you can turn your video off if you don't want to be on the video. But yeah, thank you, Brendan. I think that I can probably go on for a little bit more, but I don't want to do that. The I guess my my sort of little uh, somewhat cynical, sarcastic response, which also I offer with grace and, hum mm -hmm. and uh, uh, humor, is that I kind of feel like soon enough, there will be splits in the meta-modern community because people might say, oh, that's so meta-modern because there's meta-meta-modern. <laughs> Most certainly. Oh, 100%. And I also want to <laughs> I want to emphasize that, actually, because I think um, any good uh, meta-theoretical model, especially one that's like an evolutionary one, has to build into itself the recognition that it, it its own obsolescence, basically, right? I mean, um, if it doesn't, you know, that's one of the great failures arguably, of like a Hegelian thing. It's like, oh, the entirety of human history led to the Prussian state and Protestantism. Well, isn't that very convenient, right? It's like, well, no, if we could have seen that things are lie beyond our ken uh, and that this evolutionary trajectory is going to go places, hopefully, that we can't yet envision, uh, you know, we should we should um, emphasize that. I think to some degree, metamodernism does. It talks a lot about protosynthesis. It's never talking about the synthesis, right? It's protosynthesis, protopia. Uh, it's an incremental sort of a thing. Um, but no, I have no doubt that um, you know, in in thirty years, hopefully, we're all still talking about this, and many, many more people are still talking about it, right? Uh, I hope that um, there's something you know called, I don't know. Uh, TikTok mania <laughs> or yeah. that uh, that is a much deeper uh, model and um, yeah you know it's um, we're always we're always setting up ourselves for our own transcendence I think that that's kind of the core developmental principle um, and it's a hard one uh, also when we uh, when we experience that I think generationally and culturally um, it's a, it's hard when we experience it individually enough uh, but um, yeah, I think that there's a, a desire to be superseded in some ways, um, like Nietzsche, you know, it's like, uh, yeah, anyway, so yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. So we have Joe and Phyllis and uh, Paulina, I think, coming up next. And if anybody wants to jump on the line to ask Brendan some questions, please raise your hand. Um, uh, we'll go with those who have used the raised hand function. Joe. Hi, Brendan. Um, I really appreciate your talk. I thought it was uh, really uh, open and nuanced, and uh, uh, it uh, reflects some of the great discussions that uh, we've, uh, you know, the that I found in your group, Meta Modern Spirituality, on Facebook. So, appreciate your moderating that group for so long. Yeah, thank you. My uh, uh, question is about uh, your suggestion that meta modernism is becoming a consensus term. And I hope that's not the case, because although I'm open to that possibility, I think that there are some better terms. There's also a theoretical issue with uh, the term metamodernism. Uh, some possible better terms. Uh, the word integrative is sometimes uh, used these days. Uh, developmentalism is sometimes used these days. Uh, you know, and I, I'm sure there are others. I like your suggestion. Maybe we're all going to become TikTokists, you know, in the future. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the um, substantive thing that I have about metamodernism is is the is the modernism 
part of the, the phrase. Mm. Uh, modernism uh, is, uh, reflects this, uh, uh, to emphasize that uh, tends to reflect the theoretical idea that metamodernism is, is basically uh, phase two of postmodernism. It's, uh, it seems to my mind to suggest that each phase of development succeeds the other one and is more adequate. And therefore, uh, you're, the only thing that you're really concerned about is modernism and its and its um, followers. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas I think integral, we have this notion from Ken Wilber that uh, integral is a universal donor. And we're uh, harmonizing and synthesizing all of the different developmental threads all the way back to archaic and magical and traditional. So, uh, so to link the fate of this movement to uh, as a response to modernism, I think is too narrow. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so uh, that would be uh, the issue I would see, and I'd be interested in hearing your response to that. Yeah, I think I think all those uh, points are are very valid. Um, I think there's an element of kind of historical contingency, the accidents of history, in some of this. Um, uh, the discourse around metamodernism was sort of this accretive move from these Dutch cultural theorists basically talking uh, about postmodernism and modernism, and then this thing that synthesis or, you know, moves between them, and then that getting expanded. It's like, well, actually, metamodernism can refer to all of the cultural codes and the moving between those. And then actually, you know, and so we were, it kind of, it was like the little bit of dust that kind of accreted um, into this bigger thing. Uh, I personally don't like the term metamodernism. I, uh, when I first discovered the term, I thought this will never take off. It sounds too ridiculous and pretentious. Um, and then lo and behold, it took off. Uh, so I'm not going to argue with that. But um, yeah, I, I, I think as for the um, privileging modernism or even modernity, I think there's some good points to be made about all that, which is why I think some of that can be responded to a little bit if we just recognize that, well, this is a liminal stage. It maybe is the moving beyond modernity and modernism into something, again, maybe that is truly integral, but we've got to kind of get there. Um, and um, so there's all that going on. Uh, I, one thing I didn't, I wanted to say, it didn't get to, but this relates to it is that um, in case there's any doubt, the academy is just thoroughly postmodern. Um, there is, it's just, it's a, it's a deeply saturated, uh, 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 I don't know what you want to call it domain. And so the whole worldview, the whole, uh, epistemological framework, uh, for theory, et cetera, is, is, um, is remains deeply relativistic deconstructionist. Well, let's just say relativistic. Um, and so actually it's interesting because metamodernism, um, uh, has to contend with that. Certainly developmental theories of any kind have to contend with that. And, you know, I don't need to speak to this audience about all that. Um, I, and, and so what I'm getting at, though, is that um, by having a term like metamodernism, especially having non-developmental forms of metamodernism, I think is what allows for it to kind of uh, be successful in the academy. Um, and that that can work towards that mimetic success. I think that is what's driving basically why the term has come, why it's approaching consensus is because, um, 
you know, it sort of emerges from, I mean, even the theorists, I think, uh, who came up with the cultural studies stuff, uh, I think they would themselves say, and, and in fact have basically that they, they they still do very much inhabit a kind of postmodern uh, uh, perspective. And so metamodernism is sort of being initially theorized by people really steeped in postmodernism. And to this day, people theorizing within cultural studies, I think, can still assume the whole postmodern epistemological ontological framework uh, and still engage metamodernism as a construct. Um, and, and that's why it kind of has legs, so to speak. Um, so that's why that's another reason why I just I think that it's gaining some more traction than other terms. Um, its diversity helps. Uh, but to your broader point, yes, I mean, I, I, I'd like to see an integral future. I'd like to see um, something uh, that uh, is more spiritual and is more of a universal donor and all of that. Um, I just think that um, there's sort of a, a bridge to get there and maybe metamodernism is that, which again, I would might, I would propose would be why it might be helpful to think of integral as the next stage, which even in Wilbur's model sort of makes sense, right? There's, you know, there's yellow and then there's, there's or there's teal and turquoise and both of them are kind of considered modern or integral, but they're sort of early and late integral. Well, we, we could call early integral metamodern and we could see it as moving towards integral. Now, again, whether or not in cultural studies in 50 years, integral frameworks will have made a huge comeback to the point where people could be theorizing along those lines. I don't know, uh, but uh, could be. Okay. Thanks Thank for the question. You. Let's go to Phyllis. Hi. First, thank you so much. The distinctions that you made um, within metamodernism and integral were just so helpful, as were the distinctions that you made between integral and metamodernism. So I really thank you for that. Um, I, you know, it seems to come back to the academy so mm. often. And when I was looking at um, your description of, of the sort of downsides of integral, you're talking about stage theory abuse. How is it that the, I mean, it's this sort of a series of questions. How does metamodernism then avoid with a de developmental model being chastised for that in terms mm -hmm. of um, spiritual, you know, uh, scratching some people the wrong way? Um, how does, I mean, I've heard Vervecki speak about the religion that's not a religion, but how, um, how does metamodernism address secular interiority? I mean, mm -hmm. that's sort of a limited, you know, mm -hmm. I, don't, I don't mean to limit interiority to spiritualism, but, mm -hmm. you know, but that and and last is how do you make. Oh, also with in terms of, uh, you know, Eastern being it so Eastern based. I know here Namali has just been so incredible about bringing in um, Reverend Paul, bringing in the Judeo. Uh, Christian mm. meditations, which has been so rich. Um, but mostly I'm asking you, what's the difference between, how do you see the difference between spiritualism and interiority? Hmm. All right. Great questions. Uh, I'll take them in turn. So how how do, could metamodernism or is it uh, avoiding stage theory abuse? Uh, uh, well, I'll start there. So um, I would say one of the helpful things about uh, like the listening society and the Hanzi stuff is it's very clear upfront about a lot of the problems. Um, uh, now, you know, 
Wilbur didn't have the benefit of hindsight to see how all this stuff might play out once it could be abused and that sort of thing. To, I mean, in his later works, he, I think, maybe addresses some of that a bit more, but not quite a lot. And whereas in the Hansi works, um, there is repeated mention of, you know, this is going to hurt people's feelings. Also, avoid the guru who sleeps with your wife. Um, you know, uh, there's a whole caveat section around this is not a moral order. He sets up all the kind of critiques up front and he's like, you know, this this should be approached with radical acceptance and all. I'd say it, there's a bit more of getting out ahead of it. Now, that all being said, you know, it doesn't in community context, it doesn't mean that everyone's going to take all that to heart. It's all there. But I do think that the more we can build that into the discourse space, um, I think we can kind of hedge some hedge off some of the, the worst stuff about uh, what can go on uh, with that. Um, but I would also say that, yes, to some degree, some of that is unavoidable um, in any conversations in which stage theories factor as, a, as an important uh, kind of theoretical uh, foundation, um, there's going to be abuses to those models and, and how they get applied, uh, which has honestly, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Um, uh, you know, I, I, it affects how I think work should be written um, in the sense of, do we want to popularize stage models? Is that even a good idea, you know, or should we be writing dense um, academic tomes in which, you know, you sort of, uh, are going to naturally sort of uh, self-select for the audience that's going to be willing to wade through all the nuance and complexity uh, to to present that material in. Um, so that's a really interesting and important question. Um, there is something kind of perennial about yeah, anytime you have spiritual uh, or you know spirituality or spiritual stages, um, you're going to get all the drama, all the human drama. And, you know, and as like the work of Zach Stein and others have, have kind of explored, the stage models themselves account for all that, right? You can read uh, how people understand and use stage models developmentally. Uh, so it's sort of, uh, should be predicted. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't I don't know how much you can get ahead of that entirely, uh, but I do think that there are a lot of mitigation factors that can be, that can be brought in. Um, I do think that using and even critiquing some of the simpler stage models is also important. I, for example, find spiral dynamics wonderful as a heuristic. And if I'm trying to communicate some basic ideas about, you know, uh, these kinds of developmental models, I can I find that that works incredibly well as an introductory model. But pretty soon, I think it starts to lose its utility um, and and starts to kind of turn dark <laughs> when you can kind of be like, oh well, that person's green and that person's orange, et cetera. It's like, well, actually, you know, if you read all the Piaget and the Kohlberg and the Keegan and the you know Kurt Fisher and the Comments, right? Like you get a much more nuanced picture that just doesn't show up in any of that. Um, and um, so, yeah, I think kind of being upfront about all that. Uh, next question about uh, spirituality. Um, I think that one of the things that's hard about integral is that it's so bound up with spirituality, right? In a way that, say, something like, um, I don't know, what's a good example, like new historicism or something isn't, but like you could do like a new historical look at spirituality in X and Y culture or whatever, right? Or name your paradigm or your framework. Um, so I'm not saying, so I, I think it would be helpful if we could remove the spiritual component as being essentially intrinsic to the model. 
um, in a way that would at least be pragmatically helpful for it gaining better traction in secular contexts. Um, it's a lot to ask people to be like, hey, look, here's this incredible meta theory. By the way, um, you had a face before the Big Bang. You know what I mean? Like, okay, well, can we just work with like, you know, <laughs> like some of the, you know, so I think that that um, creates sort of a barrier to entry uh, when it's so comprehensive and holistic. And I think that you could use, and, and I'm trying to do some of this work myself, developmental models and all the stuff that's there, and then apply it to spirituality rather than have it baked in from the beginning, in which case it's just not going, it's going to be uh, sort of dead on arrival in secular spaces, which again, are, uh, you know, the academy is. So, um, so I do think that metamodernism could be a bit more successful in sort of having there be metamodern spirituality rather than you know, just this one thing that is inherently spiritual, if that makes sense. Um, of course, other people would say it is precisely the inherently spiritual nature of integral theory that gives it its holistic, you know, power and all that stuff. And that could just be, you know, defects of quality. Um, I would also say, yes, uh, you know, and this is one of those instances, I don't follow a lot of this community day to day and all the stuff that's always happening. So uh, a lot of these correctives about bringing in more of the Judeo-Christian tradition, I'm sure are already happening. Uh, I just saw uh, 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 Paul here. Um, uh, Paul and it, you know integral Christianity is great and uh, and so I'd love to see more of that. I'm glad that there is more. At the same time, if you look for integral Christian stuff, uh, you get you know maybe one or two works, right? And so whereas there's this like vast plethora of uh, Eastern stuff, um, and again, not a bad thing. Just uh, it would be nice to have. Namali shaking her head. No, uh, maybe, maybe I'm so, so by all means, send me stuff. This could be an area where you could fill in gaps in my knowledge. Um, cause I'd love to, I run a retreat center here. I've got a lot of Wilbur's books out. I've got Paul's book out. Um, so any, any more stuff that could fill in some of that would be great. Um, yeah, I God 9.0 was one very, well, that's not really integral, but anyway, yeah, please. So I, I'd love to see that last thing, big question, how are spirituality and interiority different? Um, you know, I think that people can have interior lives and have emotional, um, interpersonal relationships, the subjective conscious experience, and um, and they do not have to interpret that spiritually. Uh, I mean, many atheists, you know, are non-spiritual people, but they might have, and I assume do, have very rich inner emotional lives and uh, very reflective. Um, you know, you take like a Sam Harris or something. Well, I guess he's engaging with uh, spirituality in some sense, but, um, yeah, I, I don't think that you need to conflate interiority and spirituality. I think that those things could be meaningfully distinct. Uh, I do think that spirituality, uh, as it deepens, uh, converges towards seeing the spiritual in the interior, um, at least, uh, but, um, I don't know, I would take a little bit more time and, and maybe some more back and forth to really dig into that. But, um, but thanks for the questions. Those are really, really good. And there is, I'm sure I'm not getting your name correctly. It looks like it's Polina and something. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Um, yes, that's correct. My, my name is Polina. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, thank you very much for this engaging lecture. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, I'm afraid I'm a complete novice in the field, so I apologize in advance if my question doesn't really make sense. Um, but I wondered, since um, integral theory and metamodernism have different visions and sensibilities of spirituality, um, I wondered what place does religion 
take in these two theories or what, what role does it play in these two discourses? Yeah, well, um, again, I think in, in, a, in an integral context, I think spirituality and religion are really key. I found Wilbur's writings on these topics to be, you know, incredible. Um, and while I think I mentioned earlier, I think that his sort of his his kind of peak uh, was late 90s and early 2000s. I also think that the religion of tomorrow is uh, another uh, great work. Um, and so he's, he's written a lot about uh, both the, the history and the future of religion. Um, and I think that there's a sense there that um, I think it, basically that uh, religion used to be everywhere, then it was nowhere, and it's going to be everywhere again, so to speak. I think that's how I've heard Zach Stein kind of summarize the, the idea um, that as we move into the future, um, what we used to think of as religious or spiritual will kind of return. Um, but I, I get in the sense of in a in a more naturalistically or trans-rational sense, um, uh, because it's a key aspect of reality. So the more we learn about reality, the more we're kind of confronted with its spiritual reality. Um, I uh, I see a lot of truth. To, and I, and I, by the way, correct me if I'm wrong on on all that. There, folks here would probably have a uh, more to say. Um, so I think that that's pretty well explored in integral uh, work in the meta modern scene. Um, I'm doing work, and others are uh, Lehman and Lehman Pascal and um, and 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 a number of others who are sort of. Um, who very actively embrace the role of trying to facilitate uh, metamodern spiritual or religious um, contexts or materials, I guess let's say. Um, I see that as being something very similar, um, moving in similar directions. I do also see a bit more plurality maybe in some ways. Uh, this is dangerous, but like uh, one way, I, I've had some disagreements with Lena Rachel Anderson about exactly what role religion plays in metamodernism. Uh, she has the view that sort of religion is kind of a, how you did things in the Bronze Age, and we have that pre-modern sensibility that we can incorporate and integrate, and then just, you know, we build that into how we live. I tend to view it much more from the perspective of what does religion look like um, from a metamodern perspective, from a metamodern level of complexity. And um, I like uh, Lehman's uh, view on, on this a lot, which is basically that uh, that form that religion took in sort of mythic membership societies that we tend to equate with the word religion is just one form of religion. But there's a more expansive sense of religion, which is anytime you have a, 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 a surplus cohesion generated by the successful integration of multiple parts that kind of becomes more than the sum, uh, you are doing something religious, uh, at least at a collective level. Uh, we do this individually, and that's called spirituality. So I'm harmonizing and integrating my various subsystems, the parts of my personality, my hemispheres, all that stuff, chakras, however you want to talk about these different subsystems. When I do that successfully, and I am flourishing and energized and more than myself, that's spirituality. When we do that collectively, such that the subsystems are actually part of the uh, the social system. And now it's about integrating people and harmonizing different uh, groups and different individuals and different institutions. And then you get real surplus cohesion in that way so that there's sort of something generative. That's religion. I love that definition. I think it works really well. And um, so I'm very open to the idea of thinking about, uh, yeah, metamodern religion, which is sort of... Um, when we're doing that together, what does that look like? At the moment, metamodernism is very nascent. There's uh, very 
relatively little code and community and institutions. So it's very hard to do that. Um, but, you know, we're trying to sort of plant the seeds or, you know, get it going a little bit here at Sky Meadow when we do these metamodern spirituality retreats. And and they have been instances of that. I mean, I, I would say that those have been instances of sort of metamodern religion and community and church even. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Hopefully that helps get to some of that question. Yes, it was a beautiful answer. Thank you so much. Sure. Okay, just uh, we don't have any other uh, hands raised. Does anybody else have anything to share with Brandon? It okay. seems like I didn't uh, radically offend any any of the constituencies that I was speaking to. So I'm I'm happy about that. Or if I did, let me know. Um, oh, yeah. uh, Levy just raised his hand. So I'll come back to Levy, but just to address that, Brandon. Uh, guess what? It's because most of us here are integral. Say that again. You were I, I didn't hear what you said. It was kind of breaking up. <laughs> I, I said, guess what, Brandon? That's because most of us here are Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, <laughs> at least on a good day. <laughs> well, this is why I, I enjoy everyone's company here so much and this in the scene in general. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so, uh, let's go to Levy. And then after Levy, if there's no one else, I would like to, to the best of my ability, address some of the integral diaspora, uh, sort of the complaints that you made a little bit, or not sure. you specifically, but yeah, some of the complaints that we have heard about integral. I'd love to kind of take a crack at addressing at least some of that from, from me, from, yeah. from me as an individual. So go ahead, Levy. Hello. Um, I just wanted to uh, to share something that um, about the uh, how it is more easy to talk about metamodernism for some reason than about integral. So in an academic circles, if you want to talk about integral, you really have to grab some grab hold of someone and to kind of isolate them for a while to explain everything, and uh, you have to talk about spirituality, and and that's difficult. Whereas with metamodernism, um, it's it kind of feels familiar for most people because of it kind of feels like oh, uh, I've heard uh, when we talk about metamodern art and people uh, people say oh that's that's postmodernism, but not quite. And it's so it's it, it's more familiar uh, for most people. But then the danger of that is also that. Um, yeah, that it just turns into yet more postmodernism. It, it becomes a kind of postmodernism, and it, and there's mm. no real uh, transcendence, and and that's also uh, one of the uh, yeah one of one of the things that I'm so tired of in in academics. So I wonder if you have something to say about that. Well, I, I, I would agree. Um, it, it does make sense that it would be a bit easier to talk about metamodernism because I think it it um, is a little bit less ambitious in the way that I was talking about. It doesn't have the whole, you know, where are we going and ultimately and, and, and all the spiritual aspect that needs to be brought in. It really can... You can answer basically the question, what is metamodernism of, uh, you know, it's what comes after postmodernism and, you know, it's a, it's a theory of culture and people think about it differently and it has these tenets or, or, you know, characteristics rather. 
Um, yeah, I find trying to summarize uh, integral theory much harder. You know, as integral theory, you can say, well, you know, it's a theory of everything, and you know, um, but so you know, I those are both merits and demerits uh, that have their own defects of quality. Uh, so in some ways, you could say integral is a bit more of like an ultimate Swiss Army knife that can maybe apply in much more. Um, uh, many more other contexts, whereas metamodernism is a bit more specific um, in that sense. Um, so, yeah. And um, as for, you know, it being easy to conflate metamodernism with postmodernism, that's possible. But if anything, I, I tend to see it a little bit of the other way uh, in the sense that um, at least maybe this is because most of the conversations that I have are already with folks who find postmodernism problematic. So in the sense that there's something after it, it's sort of responding to the critiques, um, but also taking uh, its insights seriously. I think by the time you get to developmental uh, aspects and theories of culture, uh, you've pretty much probably demolished any um, thought that you're in the old postmodern terrain. Um, but at the same time, you know, it could be a benefit. Um, this is my own kind of growing edge and, and limitation. Uh, I, I both recognize the need to integrate a lot of the, the postmodern framework, but I am also very exhausted by it and rather sick of it and, and find it ultimately kind of just, all right, let's, okay. Um, and so because of that, uh, what am I saying? Well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that um, the degree to which there can be uh, an easy transition from people thinking in a postmodern uh, framework to a metamodern framework, that's a good thing. Um, if it's more like, whoa, this is this totally other thing uh, that makes that transition harder. And so in some ways, again, I think this is a success uh, potentially of the metamodern thing, which is that it allows for that next step a lot easier and, and more smoothly than throwing out a whole vast metatheoretical model with uh, spiritual implications, et cetera. So those are just some thoughts, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Johan. I just wanted to say uh, about riffing off Levy's point, I found the same thing for metamodernism in a work context also. Mm. I think the, because you mentioned how it's a cultural phase, a personal stage, abstract and metamine, but also a political project. I think a lot of people, you can tap into people's wanting to make the world a better place. Um, I recently was looking at the, I think a blog post from 2015, uh, five signs to know that you're metamodern and the the language around it about um game awareness and game denial so succinct so um it's so available to just share to someone co-worker on telegram and it just clicked and i also think it can help um build that context of like feeling motivated to do game change um serves as a, a ground where you introduce complexity in the form of okay meta theory think things work like this now to get it here we can try this new thing gives context for it um that's more it, it de-intensifies the the bigness of the meta theory and it reveals the concrete application for it i thought that was incredibly useful yeah well that's great and i mean yeah i think that's wonderful and um i i think that different contexts uh you know it's nice to have different tools to bring out different contexts. I could see how like being at work, being like, oh yeah, I'm you know, interested in this metamodernist stuff. That's, you know, um, whereas conversely, if some people ask me like, well, what's a, who's a spiritual writer that you've read that you really recommend? I'd be like, Ken Wilber, no question. You know, and then it's like, uh, and then how, how deep down the rabbit hole do you want to go? And that sort of a thing. Um, so yeah, I think it's nice to be able to have those options contextually dependent, um, and uh, and I I hope to see more. I mean, I hope to see even more formulations of metamodernism 
um, that, that can maybe zoom in on one aspect of this that could kind of do some meaningful work. And then that catches on. And then before that, you know, that's how you kind of get this collective inner networked um, kind of zeitgeist shift is when things are be able to be applied in all these different contexts. So, um, but yeah, anyway, I resonate with that. Makes sense. Well, and just real quick, I just want to give you a lot of credit for the way that you presented this. It was filled with a lot of grace and, you know, can only thank hope you. to embody that spirit as we interact with each other in this oh, space. Thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, it's interesting because um, I think I, I I directly told you this when I met you in Austin, Brendan, which is that there is, um, this is a big space. There are a lot of voices, a lot of egos and a lot of stuff happening. And um, Sometimes I'm just, uh, you know, attracted to just by a sort of a warmth that I feel in people. Um, and it doesn't even matter what they're saying. And sometimes in integral, we say there's a likability factor. And uh, that was one of the things that I always uh, noticed about you. And so it's, it's it, you have a lot to offer us and I'm really happy that you joined us. And also you are uh, always welcome, Brendan. And something that I would like to invite you to speak with us again next time, maybe, or any, you know, any other time that you might show up is the integral spirituality and metamodern spirituality. I think that'll be the next uh, yeah. topic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that'd be great. That. Yeah. Um, so um, since there are no other hands raised up at this time, I just want to take a moment to maybe if you don't mind, offer some of my thoughts around the sort of the squeaky wheels of integral. You offered five <laughs> of them. Um problematic areas i can't remember what you actually called them but um the reason why integral might get a bad rap often so um the first one you said is stage theory abuse so i'm someone who goes back a really long way as far as actually having been in this community uh, myself, Corey, like we're two people here who were so to so so to say like in the office. Like we were the ones who were kind of doing some of the work and organizing some of the events and all that. And then there's Bruce Alderman also on the call, who was one of the people who were organizing some of the biggest early integral conferences, the integral theory conferences, which way back, the first one being in uh, 2008. Um, drew, you know, 500 plus people and the, the, the eventually other conferences also that many people. Um, as someone who was in the integral community prior to social media, imagine that we were there prior to social media, prior to YouTube, you know, all that. When we in the hundreds got together, we never heard people doing the kind of stage theory abuse that you're, you know, calling people a, a stage like that's so green or, you mm. know, the, you know, all the labeling and the color coding and the pigeonholing and all of that. It really happened mostly after social media. Hmm. It's just random people who weren't necessarily really in the community, so to say who just learn a little bit about spiral dynamics or something and just start vomiting all over the place. It really is like a social mm. media thing. 
But when we got together in our integral Christianity seminar or our integral Buddhism seminar or integral leadership seminars, integral psychology, the multiple, multiple seminars and conferences we've had, you wouldn't come into people doing the stage abuse theory. Um, so I just, so that's just one little way that I would say that. Mm-hmm. As far as the spiritual emphasis in integral theory is concerned, According to many people who have done developmental theory, including perhaps um, Suzanne Kogreuter or Robert Keegan, one of the things that supposedly is happening as we evolve or as we grow is that up to a certain point, so I'll just use spiral dynamics, for example, here, up to about somewhere around green, we are rightfully constructing the ego. We must do that. Then somewhere around post-modernity, somewhere around that green stage, there's a very natural deconstruction that happens. And the deconstruction includes deconstructing the ego. And this, this sort of peeling off the layers of the ego and let shedding our ego and this entity that we identify as an individual begins to disappear for good and bad. In a, for the good is that we are less and less identified with the story of who we are. And rather, shedding that means we're becoming one or perhaps identifying less as a human individual driven by the ego, and rather becoming much more looser, disidentified, and um, just having a more relaxed approach to life and that looks and feels spiritual. It looks and feel more connected somehow to something other than the self that we have so vehemently and in a hurry have created and constructed because we had to. So I'm not saying that the ego is bad, but at a certain point, we identify less with that, and that's a lot of freedom and liberation, the kind of liberation that spirituality speaks of. So because of that, growth and evolution, in my mind, just naturally includes this idea that spiritual traditions have spoken of, the liberation, the freedom, the beauty that comes from letting go and letting be, right? So that's why I think that integral spirit, integral theory is, is incapable of completely escaping from speaking about spirituality because it's inherently developmental. So that's one reason why I think there's a spiritual emphasis in integral theory. Again, not that everybody has to agree with that, but um, the scandals, I think this is easy. It's just a matter of time. There were some, there were some shitty leaders that Wilbur endorsed into the community. Then he created them to be bigger teachers than they would ever have been had they not entered the integral space and had they not received the Wilbur endorsement. But again, this happened because this was pre social media and pre even go- like we couldn't just in 2000 we couldn't just google and find out what some of these teachers were up to in their lives in Israel or wherever prior to them coming into the integral world so 
I will also say right now, some of the teachers that the integral community has had struggled so much to peel ourselves off of them, to clean up the damage that was done, some of them at least are being welcomed by some of the big names of the metamodern space. So I think it's only a matter of time that even in the metamodern space, we're all human. So some of us are perfectly fine right now, but we have no idea what's gonna emerge in the future because we're mere mortal human beings. We can do something really bad and become a scandal. So I think the scandalous figures, I'm not, I'm not excusing at all that scandals of that sort um, happened in integral adjacent communities and integral ended up receiving a lot of blowback for that. I also think we've done a decent enough of a job of trying to clean all of all of that up. So metamodern, any other spiritual community, political community, art community, whatever, scandals are at some point inevitable. So I think that's a kind of an easy thing, unfortunate thing, but easy to explain. The Eastern bias also, I just simply happen to think that's a Wilberian thing. I think Wilbur personally, as a young man, found more wisdom in Buddhism and Advaita and Dzogchen and things like that. And that's what transformed him. And that that really so is somehow infused into his body of work. However, that does not mean if you read any of his books, he is often speaking about centuries of Avila or the, the seven mansions um, of, um, I'm forgetting her name now. Um, is it Centrisa, Paul, or Corey? Yeah, Centrisa, seven mansions. Centrisa, yeah. Yeah, and the Desert Fathers, St. John of the Cross, and they were, they're celebrated by Wilbur. And all going all the way back in the integral community, we had integral Christianity conferences with people like Father Thomas Keating and Brother David, and also just the idea that people like Reb Zellman, Rabbi Zellman, um, uh, Father Thomas Keating, Brother David, Brother Wayne, beautiful, beautiful, these people were attracted to integral they were Christians. Um, so so there's that. Richard Rohr, too, I know is a Richard big... Richard uh... Rohr, yeah, Richard mm -hmm. Rohr. And uh, Paul Smith, who's on this call as well. Yeah. Um, Reb uh, uh, Brian, who now runs the Jewish meditation sessions on, on this platform as well. Um, so the, the Eastern bias, if there is any such thing, it's, I think, just personally, just because Wilbur felt more transformed at a time by that, but he and even Adishanti have spoken about mm. Christianity more than Buddhism um, together. So the generational issue, absolutely. I mean, I think it's absolutely true that um, Integral is an older uh, audience. We see that all the time. Uh, it, and I'm really happy that the metamodern movement is uh, more in the younger space. And I think that's all good. That's all fantastic. Yeah. So just my responses to those five areas yeah. you brought up. Yeah, no, thank you. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm very happy to give you the, the last word, so to speak on all that. And uh, I, I, that all makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, maybe just for my last word, I'll just say I really hope to see more engagement across these communities. Um, there already is. Again, I mean, 
for me, it's a very porous kind of connection. Um, and uh, I've been infinitely enriched uh, by people who have a, a, a deep well of experience in the integral community. And I, I do count them, as I said, as sort of the, the, the metamodern elders in many ways. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I guess it just here's to more of these kinds of conversations and to more kind of loving exchanges and loving mutual feedback and critique. And, you know, uh, I think it's all um, I, I've, I've gotten a real actual openness really too, which is really beautiful from the integral community to, to metamodern folk, which I would imagine, you know, you don't necessarily expect that. It's very easy, I think, superficially to say, oh, you know, who are these people coming along, taking very similar ideas and then critiquing this and saying something different, but also very similar, et cetera. Um, but I haven't seen any kind of, well, I shouldn't say any, but I haven't seen on the whole, you know, really, uh, there's been no bad faith in that sense. It's been really mutually reinforcing and uh, supportive. So I really appreciate that. And um, yeah, I would love to come back on and talk about uh, metamodern spirituality or whatever, but uh, really appreciate this opportunity and appreciate all the great questions and uh, the uh, the audience that showed up. So thanks, Namali, and thanks everyone very much. Appreciate it. Thank yeah, you. thank you, Brendan. I, I just want I just want to echo Namali's gratitude, Brendan. Um, it's been a real delight to have you on the platform with us today. Um, I think this has been a very fruitful, very generative conversation. I think you did a great job of sort of delineating the you know different histories. Um, well, you know, coming from a place of sort of epistemic humility yourself. I mean, you admit that you're sort of new to the integral scene, you're still figuring things out and so forth. And this is a really, really wonderful and I think fruitful um, sort of cross-pollination here. And I hope it's yeah. the very beginning of a series of conversations to come. Um, I and I think this cross-pollination is is really critical because, you know, I think it's 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 fair to say integral has a bit of a shadow around arrogance, right? And I think metamodern sometimes has a of a shadow around what's just called petulance. And I think there's an opportunity here for both sort of both tribes to take a, a closer look um, at their respective shadows and have more uh, you know, playful discussion with each other. So I just want to thank you so much for coming on our platform today and leading this conversation. And again, I hope we can uh, pick this up um, in the weeks and months to come. Lovely. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much. So let's maybe all unmute ourselves and offer our voices as we say goodbye. And again, Brendan, thank you. And you're welcome anytime back. Thank you so much. Bye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Love you, Brendan. Bye.